Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Wednesday night edition of the Dunked On Basketball Podcast. We have no games today, so we're going to have to talk about the draft and the offseason. Getting to one that I've really been looking forward to, Dennis Smith Jr. out of North Carolina. And then we got to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks offseason as well. We're sponsored today by a new sponsor, Quip Toothbrush. Go to quip.com slash cap space. Get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush, which I've found to be far superior to more traditional electric toothbrushes in a number of respects, size being a, a key one of those. And then movement watches, mvmtwatches.com slash cap space. Great one for international listeners. They sell in over 160 countries some really stylish washes at a much less expensive price point than equivalent department store brands. So let's get started with Dennis Smith here. I'll start off with this. I liked him way better than any of these wing prospects that we've looked at so far that are projected to be ahead of him in the draft. I wouldn't say that I like him way better, but I do have him above them too. And a lot of that for me is based on ceiling because what Dennis Smith is, I have a little bit of queasiness about, but what he could be is absolutely incredible. Well, this is where it starts for me with him. I think as far as off the top of my head, you can feel free to argue with me on this, but I think he's probably the most athletic point guard prospect that we've seen since John Wall. And I think that he would be just his rookie year, have better physical tools at point guard at least on offense uh than all all nba point guards but john wall maybe damian lillard though he's got a little size on lillard lillard is pretty explosive though i think that's an underrated part of his game russell westbrook of course and that's it i can't think of anyone else who has better physical tools at the point guard position in terms of his athleticism and explosiveness uh and you know still decent size at 6'2 although a slightly smaller than you would hope wingspan at 6'3 but pretty similar size and wingspan to uh derrick rose when he came out of school and and uh i don't know what do you think of that statement i don't have any opposition to it i i haven't run through the full list this wasn't something we prepared but intuitively there's no one else that i i wasn't i wasn't saying they're going hey what about blank guy with that and smith is special and that's also incredible when you consider that he tore his acl at adidas nations back in 2015 and yet was still able to make it back and be what he is now yeah that acl is a concern uh he basically missed his whole senior season i had actually seen him plenty before that though i think three times before that uh starting when he was a rising junior uh, at the adidas euro camp in 2014 he was on a team with don maker and brandon ingram and jalen brown who came over and got their butts kicked by the campers who were like you know three or four years older than them uh at the euro camp but that was definitely really interesting to see him and he was a, a year younger than the rest of those guys of course at the time and then saw him at, at nations in 2014 and 2015 as well where he was dominant both times 
times. And then I saw him again last year at Nations where he's basically making his return, but, you know, playing with the college guys. And, and he was dominant there as well, really stuck out a lot. And so I hadn't looked at him at all this year. He had a very disappointing season from a wins and loss perspective at NC State. Didn't have a ton around him, especially defensively. But you mentioned the ACL and he definitely just kind of has like this sort of knock need, which because you kind of the way that you normally tear your ACL is by kind of like an inward type of rotation. You know, if you just think of like the video of, of Derek Rose coming to that jump stop and tearing his ACL, like that's kind of what, what it looks like. Um, I didn't see the play that he actually tore it on Smith at the Adidas Nations wasn't watching that particular game but that gives me a little bit of a concern like Tim Hardaway another guy who tore his ACL kind of has that same sort of a sort of gate but so that that's somewhat of a nebulous factor you know but I don't have access to his medical reports and that's I mean, I try to do these reports more based uh, on what I see on film because things like intangibles, which also there have been a few negative reports uh, about him uh, out of, of NC State when you ask around a little bit, you know, about him just kind of not fitting in as well to, to the team culture, that type of stuff. But I mean, I'm just basing this on what I see in film because I, I don't have access to those report, reports specifically. I don't have access to the medical reports. And so I don't know how much to judge or not judge there. So these reports are, are these evaluations are always going to be just what do I see? on film and like i was saying i i think that he i, I like him more than, than any of these wings uh, to a considerable degree i would say actually one of the challenges that you think about a lot with particularly athletic ones is is their shot good enough to keep teams honest and while smith is not his numbers aren't as ridiculous as as marco fultz's were and we talked a little bit on yesterday's show about that we might have some skepticism with his numbers i think at that basic level like there are different different stages to this with like Steph Curry being at the higher end, but on the lower end, like as long as you can, teams have to respect your jump shot, you can do fine. I think he exceeds that bar as of now. And I think he can maybe even move up a step or two from that. 36% from three point range for Smith this year, but there was a huge dichotomy. And then especially uh, when you consider his two point jumpers as well, which he was awful on, he was under 30% on two point jumpers. Off the dribble, he was extremely inefficient, but on catch and shoots, he was outstanding and especially in unguarded catch and shoots, he was 1.5 points per possession. Guarded, he dropped it a little bit, but you know he had to take some tough shots for this team as well. Also didn't have the absolute greatest shot selection, if we're being honest. Uh, but his jumpers off the dribble, he was horrible. 74 points on 107 possessions. That was in the 35th percentile nationally. Only a 34.6% adjusted field goal percentage on those. So part of that, I think, maybe is coming off the ACL because we've seen that guys, especially off the dribble, have, have not shot well in their first year coming back from an ACL but also just his form really tends to break down he's not on balance enough he doesn't really create the separation doesn't elevate over guys the way you might hope that he would but catch and shoots his jumper looks great and you just he's much better there so if you he's going to be off the ball which all point guards have to do to some degree in the modern NBA I think he'll actually be fine there shot 71% from the line so not amazing but not like you know red flag bag bad either so I, I think that even off the dribble he'll become a capable shooter in time i think he actually could get to be like pretty decent as a straight spot up guy you know and we'll see how much that changes and what he's able to work on you know he's not that old obviously he is 
19 right now, turns 20 on November 25th. So he's, you know, right about normal age for a guy coming out after his freshman year. The same age as like Carl Towns or Julio Okafor uh, when they were drafted, for example. So I, I think the jumper is going to be okay. He has no floater game at all on floaters. He is not a shot that he tries to look. He wants to get to the basket and he wants to finish and he finishes very often at the basket in extremely impressive fashion. Uh, but on floaters, he took only 14 all year and was four out of 14. So again, very inefficient there. Just not a shot that he looks for. And he's not a guy who looks great. Like a shot that he doesn't really have, which I think would be nice if he could create, is like the Russell Westbrook accelerate and then stop and pop from 15 feet or, you know, even sooner from that, come to a jump stop, floater in the lane. You know, he's getting all the way to the rim most of the time. So he's going to need to add that level of refinement. But that's it as far as what I see as major weaknesses for him. Um, well, at I would at say least on film. one that I would add in, it's a little bit different than that is he he has periodic flashes of like a plus handle, but you don't see it as much possession by possession. I'm not saying he's bad, but when you were watching him the day after watching Markel Fultz, you kind of see that difference that with Fultz, with Fultz, he's a dazzler and Smith is good. I don't think, he, I, you know, it's not, it's not like he's deficient, but that is something that can really open up separation at the next level. You can also do it through physical tools and he, he will probably be able to do that, but it certainly helps. Yeah, that was, that's interesting. He definitely had flashes, as you said, like of some quick crossovers in and outs hesitation dribbles hang, hang dribbles and because he's so explosive i think that he can make that work pretty well he'll split pick and roll every once in a while uh also in transition i was very impressed with how little he turns it over um a lot of times point guards won't have great points for possession numbers in transition because they're the ones who always have the ball and so if there's going to be a turnover that's going to happen on a fast break it's always them who's committing it but you know he wasn't turning it over nearly that much and, and he was outstanding in transition had a lot of possessions in, in transition as well so we'll get to what we like about him so much we started with that already right after this from quip quip has rethought everything about an electric toothbrush I mean, number one if you don't have an electric toothbrush i would highly suggest getting one immediately there are some people who are just still brushing with conventional brushes my sister invented this term for when you haven't brushed your teeth in a while she called it sweater teeth because you can just like feel the plaque on your teeth and i always uh, brush my teeth regularly i've actually never had a cavity in my life uh, partially due to genetics i'm sure but also hopefully good oral hygiene and i switched to an electric toothbrush about three four years ago and now anytime that you know i'm traveling and i go back to a conventional toothbrush i feel like i've got the sweater teeth like it just it, you how much cleaner your teeth feel how much better your gums are as well i mean gum gum disease can be a really serious problem just for your overall health not just your gums because of the effect that the bacteria can have on your whole body but quip does an even better job than conventional electric toothbrushes i have the most famous brand of electric toothbrushes and quip is maybe like a quarter of the size of that one plus they really get you on the brush heads those are, are way too expensive and as a result of that a lot of people just hold on to those brush heads for too long and then you're not getting as good of a clean another awesome thing about quip you don't have to charge it ever that's what makes up such bulk with some of the other leading brands and makes it really difficult to travel with them as well quip is just basically the size of a normal toothbrush and it just operates on a AAA battery that lasts about three months if you're on their their plan they send a replacement battery with the brush head and so you don't have to worry about how long the battery is going to last either it seems like there's almost this planned obsolescence with other electric toothbrushes 
to where the the charge doesn't last as long and also it's another reason why it's so easy to take quip on the road like which i travel all the time because you don't have to worry about bringing that bulky charger with and it takes up way less space on your bathroom counter as well especially if you're living in an urban area a lot of people i know have pretty small bathroom counters so anyway i'll tell you more about them because they're doing a whole campaign with us but i've really been enjoying it my teeth feel even better than with the electric toothbrushes that i was using before the way to get started with them go to getquip.com slash capspace and get your first refill pack free with your quip electric toothbrush and of course let them know that you came from us that slash cap space url that's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash cap space once again getquip.com slash cap space i think you're really gonna like this one this is a massive upgrade over conventional electric toothbrushes not to mention just the regular old toothbrush that i'm guessing some of you are still brushing with so once again getquip.com slash cap space now I, I watched mike schmitz's scouting video on smith and one of the things that he said about him he, he said he's a capable playmaker i actually would go a little further than that i thought he was a good playmaker um especially on games where they started a smaller lineup and he was able to play with more space on the floor like i watched the game that they played at home against north carolina where they they got smashed but with more space on the floor he really was outstanding he was able to get to the rim he was scoring over north carolina's bigs really nice hit ahead passes as well and while in a stagnant half court set especially like if they've kind of passed it around for a little bit and nothing has really happened he can be forced to take some really bad long twos overall he he was efficient on the season i thought he did a good job just making the right pass out of pick and roll even when it wasn't necessarily the pass that led to the score you know if it's just all right we ran the pick and roll we're gonna lift the other big up to the top and maybe that guy's not wide open for a shot but i'll just swing it to him just to get the ball moving you know i think he he had more of those passes than maybe you would have expected with his reputation um you know, he wasn't, didn't have quite the level, obviously, you know, like a Lonzo Ball type of passer. But, uh, you know, I didn't think that his passing was really that far below where we saw Markel Fultz. Uh, and he had probably, you know, in the film that I watched, 10 or 15, like real wow passes where you're like, oh, I didn't see that ahead of time. This is not the obvious pass to the role guy. This is actually like throwing a guy open. Um, You know, he'll have some very casual turnovers uh, for sure. But I thought actually his ability to, to make the right passes was impressive on the move maybe he's not quite as good uh and that was another thing that i noted as well i thought that just in general you know he's obviously a point guard he's off the drool but the way he attacked in triple threat both his passing ability his ability to just take catch and shoot jumpers and then either you know he could jab right and go left he likes to go left most of the time in isos but he's not too limited from going right i don't think it's like an issue where it's like okay we just we if as long as we stop this guy from going left we got him stopped that's not the case at all because he can explode uh with just a straight right hand drive out of a triple threat extremely well or, or same thing out of a hesitation dribble and finishes just fine uh a little bit better with the right hand but still solid with the left hand uh it's got a lot of like nice double pump finishes hang in the air bounce off the big type of plays um he's a little too aggressive sometimes like he thinks he's superman at the rim and he can just he's going to be able to score everything like i'd like to see a little bit more driving kick type of play from him especially when he gets right at the basket so he, he could stand to be a little bit more in control instead of over penetrating and going into three guys and just hoping to get fouled or throw up some miracle shot which he is capable of making on occasion but you know he could just be a little bit more judicious there 
there are a couple different levels to being a college point guard that you really want to see. And you brought up a couple of them during that. One is the ideal is that they can see passes that we don't see. Some of that is also just the angles, but other things. And he does that sometimes. I think you saw more of it than I did. You also watch more film of him than I have. But he also he does a good job of seeing making the right pass that is there. And it might sound basic, but that is incredibly important. And there are some talented guys who just don't do that that often. And I, I feel pretty comfortable with Dennis Smith in that way. And then the turnovers I think can be improved with time but I really like with Fultz I'm excited to see him not only with better teammates which will be important but with a like a more cohesive overall system and just the idea of okay these are the reads these are where the guys should be and NBA teams that's part of the reason why being a point guard takes so much time is that it's a lot to learn it's a lot to take in it's a lot to adjust to but I think Smith can benefit from that more than some other guys who've come into the league yeah like for example what they would NC State would try to run like the Spain pick and roll set where they have a small their best shooter this guy Maverick Rowan would set a back screen on uh, the defender of the big who had set the the initial pick and roll and Smith didn't really seem to have much understanding of how to operate in that set or really you know what the point of it was you know that he really needed to make sure there was a good screen and then put pressure on the rim uh that you know the the big defender was getting screened you know and they would run that and it's harder to run that with college spacing than NBA spacing too um but they never really seemed to get much good out of that because uh, in part because he just you know he they would run that play and then he would just like take a long two that wasn't really open or or you know wouldn't really try and attack the rim with the idea of like what the point of the play was you know so so there's there were definitely times where you know he didn't really seem to have like quite the level of acumen there but you know he's, he's also a freshman point guard um i mentioned that he doesn't get a ton of separation on his off the dribble jumpers he kind of brings the ball up in front of his body a little bit as well when he shoots off the dribble not as bad as like a josh jackson but that i think also was part of why and just his the way he would land on his off the dribble jumpers he was kind of all over the place you know he's really he's gonna have to clean that up hopefully i do think he could have some ability as a post-up player we didn't see him really in the post much but with his athleticism i think he's going to get a lot stronger too where he's going to be able to really go through guys and he's just so athletic that he can just pop over guys for a floater he had one play where he got the ball at the elbow and shot like a nice fadeaway jumper out of the hope out of the post i'd like to see some more euro step game from him as well we saw some hints of that but it's not really something that that he did a ton of but i mean if you were going to compare him to most point guards who are as athletic as him that have come out like a john wall or a russell westbrook i mean he doesn't have like the length quite the length or the balance of those guys you know he's not going to dunk over guys at the rim he's not quite that level um you know but he's an, an alley-oop threat he throws down some really nice dunks in transition or in the half court if he if he's unopposed but his jumper compared to like guys like westbrook and wall when they came out it is much ahead of where we're where they were at that point and it needs to be because the league is going in that direction and there's a there are threshold markers there but i think he can reach that and what excites me about smith is that i think the player that he is right now is productive and useful and remember that you need 48 minutes from primary ball handlers ideally ones but what if he can iron out like some of the bigger things or some of the smaller things he becomes so much better so quickly yeah, and he's just, he gets to the rim so fast, and he's so explosive when he gets there. And just when you consider that level of explosiveness that he has, like, I I would say, like, his passing and shooting are, are above average. Now, he's got to learn how to change speeds a lot. He's got to learn how to get guys on his back in the pick and roll. And then that crazy explosion could be even more effective, you know, once he's able to kind of slow down and then speed up it again. He's all, you know, a thousand miles an hour at this point. Um 
I think he also could be really dangerous as a cutter. You know, he wasn't really that active off ball. I thought just in general, actually, probably needs to get in a little bit better shape, uh, both from a body composition standpoint and also cardio. You know, like he really got winded towards the end of the first half of that North Carolina game. Uh, but all that said, I actually, I thought his defense was, he definitely has the ability. Like he's got great ability with steals. When he jets after a loose ball, like, and actually really goes for it, it's like, you're like, wow, wow. He, he just went and got that and took it away from someone i uh, saw it on the defensive glass again you know it's a question of getting in there and jumping but you know he's not a- afraid to get up there and he can really sky for some of these defensive rebounds and he had a solid defensive rebound rate i think it was about 12 percent. he also didn't have you know an unbelievable amount of effort for a freshman point guard coming off an acl tear on a terrible defense but i did like unlike markel fultz i didn't look at him and be like all right he is one of the big problems with this defense you know i think he can get down and slide when motivated you know if he wants to like heat up the ball in the full court he can do that I mean I, I don't think he's going to get into like the type of shape and you know given what his likely offensive role is going to be he's probably not going to do a ton of that uh, but he's capable of doing that he's capable of moving his feet and then he has a great anticipation for steals had a really high steal rate I don't know I think at one point he was leading the, the ACC in both assists and steals I think he might have finished second in the conference in steals uh so I, I mean I just I, I just think he has a ton of upside like he could uh, he's a guy where you look at him and you're like with his physical tools and some of the abilities that he has like seeing him as a top five point guard in the league someday is not totally unrealistic to me you know it's it's always going to be questionable whether anyone can get there but he has the the tools to do that whereas when you're talking about like tatum josh jackson maybe jonathan isaac does but he's got a long way to go at it in the ways that we talked about i like isaac the best out of those three guys as we talked about but i think that just smith has so much more upside even if those guys do play a slightly scarcer position and just having a, a great point guard is is such an incredible advantage in the nba that i'm uh you know i i i would be you know i'm not saying that like the sixers should take him or something like that necessarily because you know you wonder about the fit with ben simmons and at some point maybe we'll do like a mock draft of the top 10 once we really get through all these guys and, and really think about the team needs and stuff but yeah i mean he's just he's get this guy has so many wild plays where you're just like man like this guy has a ton of upside there has been conversation though it is reduced in re- recent years considering Stephen Curry and Kyrie Irving are the last two point guards of title teams but there was this whole thing about oh you don't need a point guard to win a title but when you look at it the teams with the best ones almost always make the playoffs and that's not even using the the bias of you know those teams the, those point guards being considered the best because their teams win I mean you can think about somebody like Chris Paul and the way that he has elevated different talent levels and you could go in a lot of different directions I'm not saying Smith is at that level but there is so much value to that and you don't see that same thing with bigs for sure and with wings it depends i mean the the elite of the elite certainly but outside of that it becomes shakier so the value part of it if he can reach you know like starter above average starter level is incredible and remember he's on a rookie scale contract for four years and then you have match rights so if you can get that player locked in it's fantastic to have and if the worst case scenario is that he you know maybe he doesn't reach that level and he's a good backup or something like that that's still useful at the level that he's going to get paid well the worst case scenario is that he gets injured again and yeah, that's true. that especially because of the way the way that he plays and the way that i think that he has to play you know that if he has a decline in his athleticism then you know he becomes a much less effective player and the one thing i do like about him too is is his potential off the ball you know not just running a pick and roll from the top of the key that that he can catch the ball and triple threat even just be like an uh an iso threat from like 20 feet or so because he's just a much better shooter just at, at a stand 
still and you know also his ability from triple threat to blow by guys I, I thought was really impressive and explosive but we'll see what happens there i mean so would you take him over the three wings that we've looked at so far not not kind ab- faults but isaac isaac tatum and uh and jackson in the abstract like if we were starting a team from scratch yes there are specific squads where i wouldn't necessarily do that but that's not a fair way to evaluate it because you can't say oh well he's not he's worse he's worse because he's not as good fit for the sixers that's not fair so yeah i would have him like in an idealized rankings i would have him above those three guys yeah and to me i think when you're talking about like the tiers system where you say okay you know it will take into account need if we have these guys in the same tier i would have him in a tier above all those guys this is of course just based on the film right again i mean there there's a weird point in the north carolina game where he was guarding like joel barry on the wing barry entered the ball in to someone in the post and before uh the guy had even scored for north carolina like dennis smith was just like pointing at the bench and like almost started walking over towards the bench like while the 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 play was still live and then like right after that he got taken out and then they put him back in afterwards and he ended up scoring like you know 17 points in the first half or something but it was it was just very odd and in that game too there was like after he came back in he had some bad body language when like guys didn't throw in the ball when he thought they were supposed to and stuff like that but you know again it's it's kind of speculation to say like how much that should matter and i'm not going to give that or the injury a ton of weight in these rankings you know so if teams are teams can do that they have access to more of that stuff than i do but i am going to just rank it based on the information that i have available just to tie up one loose end, he did finish first in the ACC in assists with 6.2 per game. He finished second to Donovan Mitchell in steals at 1.9. Oh, yeah, because Louisville is in the ACC. Conferences are just such such BS now. All right, we'll get to the Milwaukee Bucks offseason. But first, this from our friends at Movement Watches, mvmtwatches.com, movementwatches.com slash capspace is your URL to get 15% off your purchase with them. Movement Watches were started by two broke college kids that wanted to wear stylish watches, but they couldn't afford them. The belief that they had is that style shouldn't break the bank. And that's appealed to me as well, because I always felt like, why would I spend four or $500 on a watch, like which was really how much I would have had to spend in past years to find a watch that I actually actually really liked movement watches however start at just 95 dollars. that is a fraction of what department store brands typically charge and you might think all right that's pretty inexpensive for a watch how good can they be i really encourage you to go to that url mvmtwatches.com slash cap space and just take a look at it. it's beautiful styled minimalism i think you'll find one that you really like if you go to that url and that of course will get you 15 percent off today and let them know that you came from us as well they make a great gift i got one for my mom she actually got one for my cousins her nieces as well so both men's and women's they have fantastic styles and if you're an international listener trying to support the pod, they sell them in over 160 countries. They've sold over 500,000 watches overall. So once again, way to get started with them, movementwatches.com, mvmtwatches.com slash capspace is the URL to get 15% off today, plus free shipping and free returns. Join the movement. Well, the Bucks uh, had an interesting 2016 offseason. I don't think that's going to happen again in 2017. Well, they have Palace intrigue this year. That's fun. Yeah, I guess that we should discuss that with John Hammond leaving. It had been reported basically that Justin Zanuck was going to come over there and he would probably be Hammond's successor. Now, though, Mark Stein and 
Woj both reporting and to various degrees that the Bucks are actually going to open up their GM search. They will be hiring a search firm to do the search for them. Zanuck still will have a chance to interview and it may even be the favorite there. But that is very interesting to see. Maybe they're going to see, you know, if David Griffin becomes available or something, maybe they would try and go after him or something something along those lines. I mean, and I, and I think part of this, the reason that they're doing this, and there may be some more internal palace intrigue than realize is that after yeah. Giannis took this amazing leap this year and after they made the playoffs I think they think that their GM opening might be more appealing and also they realize how important this is as well as they now have this potential championship player I think Zanuck is very capable and I would have no problems with him getting that job but it'll be uh, interesting to see who else they end up interviewing there in Milwaukee. But uh, Zanuck will retain his assistant GM role for now and is the interim GM for the moment. So he's running things for the time being. Let's start with what their cap situation is. So their cap situation depends a lot on Greg Monroe. Greg Monroe has about an $18 million player option. But so either way, it's 17.9, close to damn enough. And either way, they're not really going to have much cap space to work with, especially when you consider the more lucrative mid-level exceptions now than they used to be. But what Monroe opting out would give them, they would lose a capable player on a one-year contract. What it would give them is the flexibility to not really worry about the luxury tax this season. If Monroe were to opt in, they also have Tony Snell as a restricted free agent. If we were to assume generously that he were to sign a contract starting at $10 million a year, that's probably too generous, actually. Maybe it's 12 maybe it's 13 You're basically right at the tax a little bit over with their existing commitments, including uh, the number 17 draft pick that they have. They would want to re-sign or, or they'd want to sign maybe their second round pick as well. Uh, they've got Gary Payton on a nine guarantee, but not a ton of flexibility. Spencer Hawes also is a player option for six million i would expect him to opt into that but maybe he'll opt out who knows so that's if monroe opts in i mean and so this does not seem like a team that's going to pay the tax particularly before their new arena opens so if monroe opts in you're probably just looking at like minimum signings basically to if they're going to avoid the tax unless they can move someone uh either Hawes might be someone who who they could move but i think the guy who's really superfluous is john henson who you know hasn't really looked like even a quality backup center option and he's making 10 million a year basically for the next three years though his contract does decline slightly yeah they have these three players that are that they they have signed in recent years henson and then last summer they signed mirza toledovich and matthew delvadova it doesn't look like any of those guys are starters in the present or in the future for the team and henson i would say is the worst combination of player and contract of those three and, yeah, moving, and position as well yes. because there's a billion centers of on the right. market these days so if they really needed to face a squeeze they could maybe find a taker for one of those three and then what they would probably end up doing is using the mid-level exception to fill in that gap with a less expensive player but that could be palatable for them depending on what the offers are and who they think they can get on the open market the challenge as always with those kinds of things because people suggest this all the time is the issue of timing because you have to find a taker in the probably in the earlier part and you have to find somebody who wants your money in the earlier part and the longer you wait the narrower the supply gets of both trade partners and potential fits 
Yeah, and maybe you could see them signing some guys and then just trying to avoid the tax later in the year but that's kind of risky for this team which it cannot pay the tax especially because you would think that what they really should be focusing on is like three years from now when Giannis will actually be 25 and in his prime and they'll figure out what the hell is going on with Jabari Parker I mean that's another thing we, we can talk about but before we kind of get into what they need and some of the specific free agents their 2018 space is also very interesting right because Jabari Parker his cap hold is about 20 million you would imagine that the chances of him extending are pretty low but you could see him let's say he comes back right around january february of next year looks okay not amazing but good enough that you think like all right you know he can still be a starter for us in the future with some upside you know maybe he resigns for 20 or 25 million even with monroe leaving they are right at the cap for next year and that doesn't include tony snell who and there's basically 20 million dollars essentially between the cap and the tax over these next few years so then Snell, you know, 12 million of that gap between the cap and the tax is probably taken up by him. And so then you look into any contracts that you sign for longer than a year and you're worried about the tax again, even if Monroe leaves after next year, after opting in this year. So even if Monroe were to leave this year, you're still kind of constrained worrying about your finances in the 2018 offseason. So you probably, you know, do you want to sign someone to the full mid-level for a four-year contract? Probably not, especially Especially because, again, I think they should be focusing on 2019, 2020, 2021. And so you don't want to sign someone to longer than maybe a two-year deal uh, because that player is just due to the nature of free agency and how old they are mostly. That player probably will be a bad contract or a non-contributor by the time this team is really ready to contend in the Eastern Conference. So that's a, it's a major concern for them. And so I just, I really don't see, unless they get extremely creative or maybe they trade their first round on pick and try to get another contributor and also dump salary at the same time that might be the type of move they would try to do you know kind of similar with Henson to what Brooklyn and Washington did with Andrew Nicholson and Boyan Bogdanovich um where well, they could I was get a contract that ends the, sooner. The way the Rockets did the Lou Williams Corey Brewer trade, where they basically gave up a first round yeah. pick to trade a negative asset for a positive one. Yeah, but the, I, I wanted that, to I wanted to tie move, it yeah. in because I thought you were setting the table for what makes the Bucks also really compelling is that you talked about how it sets up for 2018. The same thing happens again in 2019, because in 2019, Chris Middleton has a player option for 13 million that he's probably going to decline. So then you have to deal with that. And that's the year that Malcolm Brogdon is a restricted free agent, whether while his cap hold is low his payment presumably is going to be a lot higher especially a lot higher than it is right now so they have these issues where like a a guy pops off the books like Toledovich or like Brig Monroe but they already have the player lined up to fill that hole in salary yeah 2019 is a little easier because Toledovich would come off the the books at that time and Henson and Delvado would be in the last years of their deals at that point so maybe they would be movable though yeah you did mention Brogdon as well as guys that they have to resign so yeah that it could get interesting at, at that point too and this now is a perfect example of how this new more restrictive tax really hurts small markets a team that you know just does not seem like a luxury taxpayer maybe they'll be wrong once they get into the new stadium or if they get close or, or whatever or Giannis is just an unbelievable superstar but if this is the New York Knicks we got Giannis we're, we're getting close we think there's a guy at the full mid-level who can help us get over the top absolutely go ahead sign him we'll pay the tax Golden State Warriors LA Lakers go ahead sign him we'll pay the tax right under the old regime when it was just a dollar for dollar tax before the 2011 CBA teams could go into the tax 
and it wasn't so prohibitive, right? It, they could still do it even if they were, you know, for 10 million, 10 million or so, it's just an extra 10 million. Like that's something you can like actually swing if you're a small market and like, all right, yeah, maybe we won't profit as much for this year or the next year, but like, it's not prohibitive. Now, if you're a small market team trying to go into the tax by 10 or $15 million, unless you have like Paul Allen as your owner, who's just says like, fuck it, I'll just pay it. And we don't even know if he's going to do that given where they are as a team. But now just like small market teams feel like they can't do that at all. And so that's why, they're a perfect example they're going to be for the next four or five years they're going to be doing this dance with the tax that basically is going to function as a hard cap for them and we could see them have to give up assets to get off a salary now you know you can certainly make the argument that they signed some very dumb contracts over the last three years that have put them in this predicament but you know not every contract is going to be great uh, and that's why this oh more punitive luxury tax like that'll help small markets uh no no that it's the exact opposite and the bucks are even a team that if they get to breach kind of their championship potential the repeater tax could end up being a a really punitive issue for them too and they're a team that you don't want to dissuade in that area as well you know because they're going to be called off of spending it this time because they're probably going to want to say save those chips for later on in case they end up reaching the level that we all hope they reach how fucked would they be if they had been able to move plumly i'm a little bit amazed it took us this long to get here because yeah their their situation because they replaced plumly with spencer hawes who has an uh he's about half the salary but he's expiring this year and then Roy Hibbert who's already gone they didn't even have to pay him for that whole year because they dumped him on the Phoenix Suns so they Denver would Nuggets be, sorry Denver Nuggets same thing no they're not Adam's gonna he, get he mad didn't at me. He, I mean he, he played about as much for the Nuggets as he as he as played Jared for the Sollinger Suns, so. played for the Suns yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> But but so they would be completely screwed. They would like all these choices about, oh, maybe they could use this. Maybe they could use that. They would be looking to dump salary right now. They would probably be attaching assets because they would have to. They wouldn't be looking at it kind of as a luxury. They would be looking at it as a necessity. Maybe they'd be giving up Tony Snell, all those sorts of things. And it's funny because I actually think the full mid-level exception is going to like not be like that can actually get you someone. I think this year and especially next year now when we see the, the cap really flattening out and it's it's shocking already how many teams are running into tax concerns just one year after the cap went up just because they were all like so fiscally irresponsible uh, in this the summer of 2016 and this is another one of those ones where like other than Plumley, like we didn't hate their offseason that much you know in 2016 we thought Toledovich all right you know that's pretty much market rate three years 30 million Delvadova four for 38 not that bad um but I mean if you had a three-year 30 million dollar contract to give out this year and they would now keep in mind they wouldn't have had all this money to spend this year because Giannis's price is going up so much but if they had three years 30 million or four years 38 million to give out this year I'm guessing they probably could have done better than Teletovic or Delvadova in this market and then in 2018 it gets even better than that do you want to hear the guy that I thought of when I was writing my SI piece would be a really good fit for them not saying he's going there but who I thought would be a fun fit okay James Johnson Hmm. The idea being that he could play with either Giannis or Parker, defend the better guy, shoot enough to make it work, and give them a little bit of an edge. I don't think I like that one as much because I'm not sure how real his shooting is. Age 30, so I mean, you're probably going to have to go at least three years for him. I would guess that's something close to like the full MLE, if not maybe even a little bit higher. So he's not going to be good by the time you're ready to go again. He's, he's very duplicative just size-wise, which is nice to be able to switch and stuff, but it's just a few, like one too many combo forwards. Like I think they need more, 
by identification of what they need is ideally and it's fun because they do have like a lot of depth and if you're going to say that thon maker is going to be their starting center next year like they don't really have any positions that have a glaring need even without parker and if he comes back i mean that's that's the other problem too right in determining what they need especially in the long term is you know jabari parker is going to be your number two offensive option and creator that's great if he's not going to be able to come back and do that and he's not going to be able to stay healthy then you really probably need someone who's more dynamic especially a point guard but you know obviously that player is difficult to acquire but that you know they could use someone who could just get in late i think actually you know we talked about Derek rose with the spurs and actually an interesting aside here ian begley uh knicks reporter for espn reported today that the knicks are interested in re-signing rose but that the the t wolves with tom thibodeau his former coach would also be interested and that actually there might be some interest from the spurs quote unquote depending on the market and he also had the caveat that executives believe that he could be a fit there as opposed to that you know it's actually coming from any of the parties specifically but so uh all right i guess we kind of got that one right uh on rose when we were speculating there but i think rose actually you know he's 90 miles away from chicago which he probably would enjoy and he wouldn't need to get more than a one-year deal hopefully maybe it would be something where he'd get a one-year deal with a second-year player option uh but i think he actually could give them something that they need as just another guy who can get into the lane and really draw help his lack of shooting would be a concern and also the fact that they have two other point guards but then you could play brogdon more at the two as well um i think he even could guard threes okay due to uh, due to his strength you know as long as it's not too dynamic of a guy so that that would be the type of guy i'm looking at for but they don't have it's going to be hard for them to get better other than just internal improvement because they don't really have any positions where they just suck right now it's also hard because of the idea with jabari parker to figure out what they should do on the wing because if they have parker Giannis, middleton and snell they don't really need much like those guys are all quite good and there isn't a, a really natural fit especially if they're going to keep to kind of like okay well this is this is a clear cut need i mean if you could get a small forward who can shoot that would be wonderful but it's not necessarily required so yeah i had i had trouble with that as well and the other option would be just to get and i think this is what they should use one of their draft picks on is just get a high ceiling guy at, at basically any position and just hope they work out because you can make it fit with what they have yeah again i'm not as familiar with the guys in the mid-teens but i think actually ironic because they have four centers on the roster right now and they're paying some of them quite a bit but Monroe either he opts out this year and we'll get to talking more about him either he opts out this year or he then becomes a free agent next year and it's hard to imagine him coming back given what their tax concerns are the fact that Parker will need a raise etc they've got Hawes still and Henson who's going to be around for a while but either you think would be traded or just isn't that good so I actually think probably what makes the most sense there's a lot of centers available at this point in the draft at 17 would be trying to find another cheap low-cost center who maybe stylistically could work well with Thon maker uh just a guy who's got a little more strength a little more defensive rebounding capability maybe does more on the offensive glass that type of player is maybe just a little bit more of a traditional option than maker um just who could be kind of cheap labor as a backup center if they're able to move on from henson and just even also henson and maker just aren't that good of a fit because they're both real thin as well so i I think having just another stylistic option there would be the most realistic for them i mean they're one of the few teams i look at that actually could use a center at, at this point the other guy, I don't think he's going to fall this far. Granted, I haven't watched as many of these guys Is if he doesn't have just like something catastrophic on his medical report, the idea of rolling the dice on Harry Giles for them is pretty brilliant because it's just a lottery ticket. And if it works, then you have this kind of the a, a piece that could be a part of an incredibly successful team. And if it doesn't, he's not that expensive. You probably weren't going to get somebody as good at your spot. So not that big a deal. Skits have been row now. If you were him, would you opt out? He will be 27. My instinct is that 
that I would not because I don't think his value is going to drop off a cliff during this year. But he, more so than maybe any single player in this free agent, it's him and Rudy Gay or these two guys, their agents are going to make so, they're going to make their money on advising on this decision because they have to talk to teams. They have to really see what the market is because all it takes is one, but it's going to be so damn hard for any center to find that one team this year. Well, let's just take a look at it, right? Is he's making 18 million. So does it make 18 million or close a damn enough that it makes no difference as a, a certain great podcaster would say. Here are the teams that I project right now, and this can change obviously based on who comes back, et cetera, as potentially having 18 million or more in cap space. Boston doesn't want him, doesn't need him. Uh, maybe they could. Actually, that's not, I could see them maybe just striking out on everyone and signing it, but would they want to tie up flexibility in him for a long time? They got to go up against Cleveland Monroe's a terrible matchup against Cleveland probably not Brooklyn and they already got Brooke Lopez they don't need a guy who's who's uh as old and slow as Monroe Chicago probably not going to have the space and if they did they already got Robin Lopez Denver they got two centers already and if they wanted to get a center they'd want someone who's better defensively Houston unlikely to have the space and I doubt that they again when they have to compete with the Warriors San Antonio like they're they're going to try and upgrade defensively I don't think they'd be interested Indiana they got Miles Turner already the Lakers they're hoarding their cap space for 2018 Miami they already got a son Whiteside Minnesota they got Carl Towns and Gorgie Jang the Knicks Eh, maybe, uh, but probably not. They're, they're, they got massive need at point guard. Orlando, billion centers already. Philly, billion centers already. Phoenix, eh, possibly, but doesn't seem like the type of guy that uh, they would really be going for. Sacramento, not really in, at that point. They got a million centers already. Yeah, I think I adopted. And really, okay, so what kind of contract? Because you also have to say that part of the reason you opt out is because you can choose your own place and maybe you can go somewhere that you have a better chance, whether that's a, as a starter or on a competitive team, whatever you want to go with what kind of money would you be looking for to say okay opting out is is the right decision like three three for 35 does that do it for you does it need to be more than that like 340 yeah i think it would have to be at least 340 uh for me and you know i don't know that the market's gonna be any better in 2018 but i think he's gonna say certainly like a a a four-year deal for the full mle is not getting it done that's only basically like 35 million over four years so no i think i i would i mean it's there's nothing out there for him i don't think unless he just like all right i really want to go to a winner and this is remember he just experienced his first crack at the playoffs and they should make it again next year you would think unless there are injuries so no i i would imagine that he's going to stay put and that's if he does that's going to make their offseason very uninteresting unless there's a trade uh to move some money the other option that could be there for them is that monroe if he opts in becomes an interesting trade asset because he doesn't have years on his contract so what you could see is a circumstance where a team looks at the center market let's say taj gibson who can be a power forward slash center or deadman or whoever else and they go well we'd rather have just a one-year guy get them on a trade and so you're what you're probably not going to do is trade that guy into cap space that i don't think that's a real reasonable possibility however there could be an opportunity where somebody else just has a different asset you know like maybe a wing guy that they don't like very much or you know somebody like that i'm not saying terrence ross is at this level he's just the first guy and of course orlando's a terrible fit but just a guy who maybe maybe pat is like right on the edge of the asset test that you go in and they say well we'd rather have a center on an expiring contract than that guy and the bucks see that same calculus the other way due to their positional needs i haven't gone through it to see who 
that team would be, but I think that's a possibility too. Yeah, and maybe those uh, they could do a sign and trade or something. They get a guy who's going to be a, a free agent this year and trade back Monroe, but it's still, I'm not even sure what the team is that would really want Monroe. I mean, because maybe there's a team that would say, all right, you know, Monroe can help us for one year, you know, at 17 million, and we have an outgoing free agent that we're not going to resign. So we can just trade him to the box and we'll get Monroe. But that, that again, very difficult to make those kind of deals work very well. Tony Sinel restricted free agent had a breakout year they certainly kicked ass in that trade because michael carter williams uh, probably won't be returning to chicago you would imagine where do you see him my my thought is that he's kind of you know a lower end starter high end backup type of player but i mean as a guy who's a quality defender who could make threes there's not too many of those guys to go around even if he is totally powerless off the dribble i pretty much agree with that i worry a little bit about whether this year's sample was representative kind of of both parts of the three and d i'm not saying he's bad but just that maybe you don't expect well, him to grow. you know i think i think the outlier actually was his 2015-16 season i thought that he actually showed promise the year before that uh in that's interesting some limited minutes i could uh, see that but, but in, terms, th- in terms of his shooting you know i think he's so I, I, like i believe in his shooting i think he could be a quality if not 40 percent three-point shooter which i think it was last year you know high 30s and like i mean he's not he's not strong enough to really be an elite defender and he's not doesn't have the bounce to be an elite defender but certainly as a quality option and you know someone who can switch one through three adequately i i think you know there's really not that many players to go around you know you're not and it wasn't like in the playoffs that like he was getting exploited somehow they had to guard him it it's uh, i thought he he was good enough in the playoffs that you weren't like oh we're gonna like this guy can't play when the going really gets tough and as you said there are a lot of teams that can benefit from just a low usage steady hand like that whether they're using them as a starter or coming off the bench i mean i'm not saying they're the ideal fit but think about what he could do to help minnesota's wing rotation just a guy who could fill in a lot of their gaps and help out yeah i i don't think tom thibodeau will be too interested in snell personally but i agree agree with you i think he actually could be helpful there uh i I would rather have him on the contract i think he's gonna get than Derek rose on minnesota So perhaps do with their tax concerns. I mean, I think they'll probably match anything that that's reasonable. And if you were another team, I, I mean, I'm thinking like what's fair for him, 10 million on the low end over four years, maybe 12, 13 million on the high end would be fair. You know, that's the type of offer I'd be making in, restri- in to keep him out of restricted free agency, essentially, you know, on July 1st, like that'd be the range I'd be offering as the bucks. But if you're another team, I mean, would you go like 16 million for Tony Snell or is that just completely insane i wouldn't because it's hard to see him becoming so much more than he is like he doesn't have anything really off the bounce and i don't see him being this like lock lockdown defender guy and so if you're not going to recheck either of those boxes it gets hard to really reach into that range unless you are truly elite at what you do well and he's very good and i I think he deserves credit for that but he's not elite he's not danny green no I, i agree with that he is 25 right now so you're getting him really for his his prime years of the teams with significant space i could actually see him being a solid fit in indiana um depending on what happens with paul george if they're gonna actually even not depending on what happened paul george potentially uh i could see um philly potentially having a a use for him as just a a three and d guy although you know i think they hope that timothy luau caparo can turn into him with maybe a little more off the bounce game sacramento probably not they already got buddy healed who they're trying to develop right now phoenix already has devin booker so uh, yeah i don't see orlando already 
has Evan Fournier. So these these cap space teams, the Knicks have Courtney Lee, but maybe they would try to move move Lee and sign Snell, but probably not. Again, they got to get a point guard. Minnesota Tibbs probably doesn't want him. Miami could be a possibility uh, if the, they and Deion Waiters aren't able to agree on a contract. Get they got plenty of guys who can dribble on that team, but maybe, but still, you know, they got Josh Richardson and Tyler Johnson and and Goran Dragic, so that's probably they probably don't need another shooting guard because Snell can't really guard the best threes. So I'm not really sure what the destination is for him that's going to pay him a ton of money. So maybe the thought is that the Bucks can squeeze him a little bit and maybe they get him, you know, on that four year, forty million dollar deal. So like that how do you feel about i guess it's just because they have too many duplicative talents about the idea of the nets just throwing because the problem with him so he's he's turning 26 at the start of next season so i think he's a little bit too old for where where we think they're going to peak but i think they're probably the most logical of those targets yeah that would be a thought too because they don't really have any kind of a a two guard i know that you hate joe harris passionately danny you have you have uh not nearly as much as no no i think hate is only is only left for joffrey laverne (laughs) i think he's the only guy that i can think of that gets that i i do not think joe harris is is necessarily a great player but you know at at a certain point you want i'm not saying they should like cut him or anything crazy like that anyway we can talk about joe harris another time yeah i mean maybe you could see boston if they strike out on everybody and they say hey you know we need a two who can replace a Free Bradley or something, but uh, you know I, I, that seems very unlikely to me as well. So yeah, I mean that would be my projection that he's you know returns to Milwaukee. And that's a number that I think they can live with, uh, especially if Jabari then comes back and you've got Snell to back up uh, either wing position. Um, and he's, you know, his length, he's, his ability to switch in a pinch, you know, I think that fits into a lot of what they should be able to do eventually with this team, especially if Brogdon is going to be the starting point guard. Like their switchability should be very high. Uh, I've really won through five. If you got Thon Maker at the five, that, that would really be outstanding. Anything else you want to talk about with them? I think I'm pretty close to done here. I don't think there's anything more on the Jabari parker extension but we should just talk about how fascinating a conversation that is because he's he tore his acl i think it was february 8th and and i heard a 12 month recovery his last time so they would have to negotiate that without seeing him back even close to 100 percent. yeah i mean it'll be eight months basically by the start of training camp so they'll have an idea i mean he'll probably have resumed basketball activities by that point although i'm sure they will be incredibly conservative with him this time in terms of actually returning nba games probably the best analog for him would be steph curry and curry he had that ankle surgery nobody really knew if he was going to be able to come back uh they hadn't seen him healthy at all when he signed the extension he got basically 11 million a year that was when the calf is half of what it is right now essentially so you know something like 20 million a year and i think we could probably say that steph at that point had showed about what jabari had showed when healthy um but this of course now is the second acl injury in the same knee for parker which is probably more concerning even than uh, those steph ankle injuries and Jabari Bore relied on athleticism as well. So if you wanted to think of what I really would be willing to take a, a risk on, and I'm not saying Jabari Parker has any chance of turning into as good a player as Steph Curry did, but uh what I was gonna take a chance on, you know, something in the in the twenty million dollar a year range for an extension. Um, and maybe maybe you could go higher on a per year basis, but also have like a non-guarantee on the fourth year or something like that, or or a guarantee that if he plays X number of games, it it activates something along those lines. That I think that would be fair. What do you think of that? Well, something else to 
consider is that there's no chance he's going to qualify for like the Rose rule or anything like that. So his maximum salary, based on what I can think about, isn't going to be that high. It's going to be like 25, 26 million, probably something in that range. And at that point, is it really worth the downside risk to commit to that now? Like big whoop, it's another 5 million. Like to, to, and that would require a, another team offering it. And remember if another team makes that offer sheet, he's getting lower raises too. So I don't think that I would offer 20 million right now. I think I would be a little, you would offer less, huh? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. I mean, it really is not that much more that they'd be saving. But and that is one thing that's kind of forgotten too is that they're like, oh man, the Warriors they saved so much on stuff, and they did. But you know, Steph's max at that year might have been like thirteen or something to start. You know, and I guess actually he st- that contract started at like you know nine and a half or something. But so they saved like four million a year. It wasn't like that much because yeah, the, he's the max you could argue, then, oh, he's worth so much more than he got. But what he's what he is worth is kind of immaterial when you consider that he couldn't have received so much more i mean those extensions that couple of years are just ridiculous all right uh, we about done here anything else you want to say yeah i can actually promote a couple things one my off-season preview for the milwaukee for the bucks is going to be on sports illustrated on thursday and also pre-orders are available for my book um it is it is on amazon so it's on amazon i'm not going to read the whole title because it's long and i i don't want to i want to get the words exactly right but if you search daniel rue on amazon it comes up and that is the cool thing in the world to say that was even cooler than saying i have an author page at sports illustrated and that was really cool so yeah very no, excited been, about uh, that it's been a, been a good year for us so far um yeah. if you would like to make it a better year for us you could subscribe to our content at patreon I've been posting the salary sheets that i've been using for these off-season previews there also we did a probably about one per month maybe maybe we'll up it to two uh depending on if we get more subscribers the the more subscribers we get the more content we're going to want to put there obviously uh so we had a, a fun mailbag pod there as well and also just if you want to support the twitter nba show which is a free show no commercials other than us mentioning the patreon way less than we should over the course of the three-hour broadcast patreon.com slash duncan larue is the way to do that and uh we'll be back on thursday night with game five twitter nba show Cavs celtics talk to y'all then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.